Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. So yesterday, um, one of the many perks of living right next to the church uh, Foster and Aaron and Axel and I walked over here to pack a, a Christmas child box. And so we, we got to just kind of come and pack the boxes in. And, and when you pack one later, you'll see, uh, and, and I've always seen it done this way, um, you'll see that Joanne has arranged the supplies in, in the perfect order. Uh, so it starts, um, and, and I don't want to uh, rain on the different kinds of things that are in there, but it starts with things that are less exciting to me. Um, it begins with pencils and paper, and then the next one is, is super important for the kids that open it, but, but the lowest level of excitement for the people sending it is the soap and the washcloth, but it's really important. So it's pens and paper, then it's soap and washcloth, and then it's like a toothbrush. And if you're packing a box with a uh, uh, a kid or a childlike adult, um, you'll notice that the, at the beginning it's just less like less exciting. You're like, I don't know, why would I care about soap? You know, we live in a, uh, we're so fortunate to not have to worry about any of these things, and so it just doesn't seem that exciting. So it's school supplies and soap and a toothbrush, and then it's it's clothes. And and by the time you get to the clothes, it's kind of exciting because there's colors and different things there. Uh, but finally, once you get a whole bunch of stuff in that box, and you'll notice when you pack one today. Uh, that once you get a whole bunch of stuff in that box, um, it's starting to get full, you get to the toys, and those are the fun things. That's what Axel was bringing me over to look at and open for him. Um, you know, there's little cars or uh, games, card games, um, stuffed animals, and, and I notice every time uh, when the boys do this, and, and sometimes when childlike adults do it, um, they get to the end, and there's a really cool stuffed animal at the end that's like enormous, and all you want to do is, is stick that in there, but you've already filled the box too full of important things like pencils and soap. And there's always that part of you that just wants to kind of dump all that stuff out and shove a bunch of teddy bears in there. Uh, but, but you don't, <laughs> because there's limited space in the box that's going to be sent. And, and we want to make sure that the most important things go first. The most important things get in there first. Um, well, as I was reading uh, John 5, and, and as we've been looking at these three, um, um, I've been trying to think of the right way to describe this, kind of Jesus' three biggest PR mistakes. Um, the three things Jesus did that, that kind of drove uh, people away, um, but they pointed to uh, the different kind of world uh, that God was bringing onto the earth. Wow, that wind did kick up out there. Um, uh, the first thing we talked about is how Jesus, instead of doing the the, the the smart thing, instead of uh, gathering around himself a bunch of people to uh, serve him and do whatever he needed them to do, instead of building a movement uh, based on hierarchy, uh, where Jesus is in charge and he has his, his generals under that do what he wants to do and they have their people under that do what they want to do, Jesus, uh, he served others instead of allowing himself to be served. That was the first uh, PR mistake. The second uh, PR mistake that Jesus made, we talked about last week, is, is Jesus was constantly alienating his, his base. Um, the people that followed him, he was constantly telling them things that they didn't want to hear. And this week, um, we're going to look at um, how Jesus refused, uh, he refuses in the Gospels to fit uh, nicely in 
uh, to the, the places that people are hoping he's going to fit. He refuses to fit. And if, if we're packing a, a Christmas child box with our, with our lives, and as we'll see in John today, when people are trying to um, construct their uh, religious and political beliefs in the ancient world, uh, Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't fit in the box, um, and it drives people crazy. And, and so we're going to look at, we're going to look at, at why uh, today, because in, in our world today, as, as we've talked about this last month, we're not that different from people in the ancient world. People are people. No matter when they're born, they have the same kinds of problems. Uh, as the more you study history, the more you realize this. Uh, we're not that different. You know, we have our own boxes, and we have uh, loads of important things to put inside of them, uh, whether it's our, our family priorities or our work or our hobbies. Um, you know, on one side, how do we get all that stuff into our lives? Um, on the other side, maybe we have uh, beliefs about how the world should work or hopes for our future or maybe our politics or our culture. And we're all trying to put all these things together. And then at some point in our lives, we say, okay, but where does, where does God fit in that? How does faith, how does Jesus fit into the box that I've been packing? And it can be really, really hard, and we're, we're going to find out why. So uh, take a look, John, John 5, uh, like we talked about. Um, and I'm just going to uh, remind you something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a few different... Um, uh, kinds of people in Jesus' day. Just like today, uh, there were a few different kinds of people uh, in, in Jesus' day, and they're all trying to figure out, um, as they meet him, as Jesus is preaching and teaching, they're trying to figure out if Jesus fits in their group. Uh, so just as a little refresher, we talked about this. Um, we talked about the church people in Jesus' day. Uh, the best way to describe them is the, is the church people, religious people, um, in the Bible, they're often called the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, but these are the, the people that went to temple and offered sacrifices and, and, and believed the Bible. Um, and so, so one group of church people, um, the, the Pharisees, uh, the way they fit faith into their lives uh, was by doing something that I hope many of us do. They, they turned to Scripture and they said, Maybe inside of Scripture, we can find a way of life that will be defined by who, who God is. If, if we turn to the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, um, we can find a way to do the right things so that God will bless us. Uh, that was a way of fitting God and faith into their lives. If, if we find the best rules in Scripture, the perfect ways of living, uh, and we follow them faithfully, the Pharisees, the church people said, then God will bless our plans, our lives, and our futures. That's one way of fitting faith into, into the ancient world, into this, into this world. Another group of people we talked about, these people were also religious. These people also believed in the Bible. Um, I've been calling them, them fighters or revolutionaries in Jesus' day. Uh, in Jesus' day, there was a, a growing movement to violently overthrow the Roman Empire, or at least to push the Roman Empire out of Israel. Um, the, the ancient word for these people is, is zealots. Um, and Jesus actually had zealots among his disciples. Uh, people that believed that the way to fit faith and God into their life, that they believed uh, that, that scripture promised them that God would let them have Israel back as a country. And if God promised that, they need to find someone to, to lead the charge. And so you have the church people uh, they think the way to um, bring faith into their lives or the way that they want to live out their faith is by 
following the rules as best they can. That's an oversimplification. Uh, you've got the zealots who they're following God. Their good thing is they're going to deal with the terrible Romans that are oppressing them through violence. They're going to take up swords and, and murder people and, and hurt people. They think they're doing the right thing. And then we talked about the peacekeepers, and there are lots of other groups. Um, maybe this is, this is the Roman soldiers, uh, the Roman soldiers that lived in Jesus' day. Uh, uh, they kind of let people fit God wherever they wanted. Uh, in the Roman world, it was a relatively pluralistic society, and, and the rule was that if um, you could keep your faith and you could keep your God as long as uh, you, you submitted that God under, under Caesar, or at least you didn't bother anybody with it. Um, and so that was the, the peacekeepers. So we've got our three groups, the Pharisees, the church people. The best way to follow God is to read the word and do the best you can to follow all of its rules. You've got the zealots. Uh, they believe the best way to follow God is to take up arms and, and fight back for their own freedom. And you've got the peacekeepers that say you can have whatever faith, whatever God you want, as long as it doesn't bother us. And just like in any time, uh, most people in those days, they picked a group that they were closest to, most aligned with, no team's perfect, but you choose one and, and you join it. And so people did. Um, and if you're a good leader, maybe in the day, uh, you found the tribe that cl most closely aligned with you, and maybe you tried to make a name for yourself in there. Actually, uh, a couple hundred years before Jesus was born, uh, there was another man uh, named Judas Maccabeus who was a, a well-known uh, rising star, kind of like Jesus, and he joined with people like the Zealots, and they did, for a time, overthrow Rome. They fought, they fought a bloody battle, and they restored God's kingdom on earth. So some people, some people did this, but when Jesus is walking the earth, every single kind of group of people, and there were way more than three, uh, every single group of people, they, when they encountered Jesus, they wanted to know if he was on their team or not, if he fit in with them. Is Jesus a zealot that's going to lead the charge? Is he a uh, church person, a Pharisee like us, that's going to show us a new way to live? Uh, is, uh, the Romans are wondering, is he going to be a troublemaker or not? Uh, but as Jesus walks the earth, um, when you read the Gospels, you'll see this. He, over and over again, uh, pointedly and intentionally refuses to fit in every group. Uh, we saw a picture like this um, when Jesus alienated all of his followers that wanted to make him a king last week. Um, and as you read the Gospels, you'll, you'll see it. The church people, the Pharisees, they struggle with Jesus because he keeps intentionally breaking the rules. Um, and you, you might think it's an accident, but, but how can it be? Jesus is always uh, healing people on, on the Sabbath. One of the key rules for the church people in Jesus' day, uh, and, and not too long ago even in this church, if the stories that I've heard are true, is that you don't do any work on the Lord's day. And healing, healing is work. And so Jesus had seven days to walk around and care for people and teach and heal people. And the one rule taken right out of Scripture was one of those days you should not do that. But but if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus was constantly breaking this rule. He was constantly healing people on the Sabbath. And, and I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that Jesus was, like, running out of time to heal people, that he just had to do it on the Sabbath. I think Jesus was trying to show them uh, that he didn't, he didn't fit in their, uh, in their world. So the, the church people struggle with Jesus because, because he won't submit uh, to, to— he won't fit in their box. Uh, the, the fighters— 
the zealots, they struggle with Jesus uh, because he is constantly, repeatedly uh, telling people not to fight the Romans with violence. Um, every time Jesus has an opportunity to talk about um, this, this problem of the, the Roman occupiers, Jesus says, don't fight them. Uh, and, and you see many, many opportunities. Uh, the most common ones we, we read in Scripture, uh, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. He talks about if a, if a Roman uh, uh, orders you to carry something for him one mile, uh, carry it two miles, Jesus is finding uh, opportunities to encourage them to not use violence. And that drove the zealots crazy. He's, he's always arguing for nonviolent response. In fact, uh, the other thing that Jesus does that drives the zealots crazy, um, sometimes he tells people to pay their taxes. Um, sometimes he runs away from rallies and mobs that want to make him king. And so the fighters are like, Jesus, get in, in our box and be our leader. Help us fight the battle. And Jesus says, he says no again and again and again. Um, and I don't think it's an accident that Jesus kept walking away from the armies and the mobs that were following him at times. And finally, the Romans, the peacekeepers, they struggle with Jesus because he's drawing crowds and stirring people up. He's, he's agitating the system. It's not going well. He's proclaiming God as king. And, and we're no different, right? You know, we, they had their groups. They had their groups of people, and, and we have our own. And just like they did, just like the zealots, and the peacekeepers and, and the Pharisees wanted to put Jesus in their box. Today, um, we're often trying to convince others that Jesus actually fits in my box quite nicely. That Jesus actually, he fits perfectly on, on my team. My group, my team, we line up to, with Jesus, but, but those don't. And, and I think the only difference between back then in the Gospels and now is that in the Gospels, um, Jesus was walking around, and so if somebody said, no, actually, Jesus is a zealot, um, he could do things in the moment to say no. Now, uh, uh, no one's there, right? He's not walking on earth to tell people that they're wrong when they say, no, Jesus, God's with, with us. Well, our, our scripture today will explain why he didn't fit in any of these. So, so to, to start the, the story a little bit, Jesus just got done healing somebody on the Sabbath. He just got done making the religious leaders mad. And so we're going we're gonna, to, he's going to explain uh, somewhat, somewhat indirectly why he does this. Um, so they're, they're mad. They're like, why would you heal somebody on the Sabbath? It's the day of rest. It says right here, right here in God's word that you shouldn't be doing work on the day of rest, but here you are doing work on the day of rest. And Jesus says this in verse 17. It says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Okay, so... Uh, this is, this is pull, hopping right out of the box that any of them had for him because Jesus has just uh, said that God is his father and, and, and my father, God, works every day in sustaining the earth and creation. And so I do the same thing. And he makes it worse. Uh, but it, it continues. Verse 18, they get mad at this response. It says, for this reason they, this is the, the religious leaders, the church people, they tried all the more to kill Jesus um, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but now he's calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So they're getting mad. Jesus has hopped out of their box, um, and they're getting mad. And so Jesus responds uh, by pushing them further uh, but, uh, and revealing why he doesn't fit with, with the church people or with any of these other groups we've talked about or any of the other ones that I didn't mention. 
Jesus gives them this answer. They're getting hot. And he says, very truly I tell you, he doubles down, uh, the son cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Uh, so, actually, I've got a slide for that one, Patrick, if you don't mind. Um, John five nineteen, The son can do nothing but himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And the way Jesus says this is kind of confusing, but if you're, if you're looking closely, what, what he's saying is pretty simple. Jesus is saying there's nothing that he can do under his own strength by himself. Nothing that he does is is really his own action. He's saying that he's powerless, that the only things that he can do is what he sees God the Father doing. It's sort of like if you, um, if you give somebody that works for you $100,000 to buy a vehicle. Uh, they can only do what you've told them to do. The money is yours, the power is yours, and their action is, is sort of yours, right? If, if you pay somebody, if you send somebody to, to pick up groceries for you, and you tell them what to get, and you give them the money, who bought the groceries? Right? You did. And Jesus is saying this. He says, when I do something, uh, God is buying the groceries. In fact, he says, every single thing I do is powered by uh, God, the Father of the universe. So when Jesus does something, it comes from God. It's sourced in God the Father. Then he gives a concrete example in verse 20. It says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works that, than these, so that you will be amazed. For Here's his example. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so too the Son gives life to those to whom he's pleased to give it. Um, and that's what it says. Because the Father gives life, so does the Son. Jesus' source is the Father, pointed at the Father. His power comes from God the Father. It's directed by him. Uh, and Jesus is saying this, that there's nothing that I do by myself. Uh, and then he, he kind of explains the reverse. So Jesus says, everything I do is on God's behalf. They had a, a much easier father-son. <laughs> hey, buddy. Come here. All right. So. You're good. You're good. So Jesus says, everything that I do comes from God. And then he turns in verse 23, 523. He says, and if you honor the Son, it says, he does these things that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Jesus is saying, everything I do is, is powered by God, and your response to me is really your response to God's actions. That's, that's what he's saying. So if, Jesus is saying, if you don't like what I'm doing, the person that you have a problem with is, is God. And no wonder the religious leaders are frustrated and the zealots are frustrated by this because it's a pretty uh, hard thing to, to fit in uh, to their ideas. How do you fit into our system somebody that says everything that they do is sourced from God the Father and every, um, your response to those actions is really your response to God? So Jesus says, uh, my life is directed and sourced in God the Father. And everything I do points back to him. Yeah. Yeah. The Pharisees. Oh, Axel, you're going to mess it up, buddy. Yeah. It's not like this. Everything he does is not sourced by me. <laughs> Although maybe it is. <laughs> Did Dad 
Yeah. If you want to go see mommy. See mommy. Okay, go get her. Go get her. She's right out there. I think she's waiting for you. The source. We actually know where the source is for that. Um, the Pharisees, they're right to be mad. Uh, but, but this is Jesus' point. He says, I can't fit in with the Pharisees. I can't fit in with the Zealots. I can't fit in with the peacekeepers. He can't fit in with any of these groups because he's already fit in somewhere. And the place that Jesus is fit isn't uh, in himself, but it's actually in God's life. Jesus says, if I change myself to go into your box or your box or your box, I'm no longer connected to my source, that is God the Father. He doesn't fit into uh, groups, uh, no matter how hard people try, because he's too busy connected to the God of the universe. That bond is too tight. He won't sacrifice it for anything else. So he'll heal on the Sabbath, even though uh, the, the Bible says he shouldn't do that because he's connected to a higher authority. He'll argue for peace when people want to take up swords, even when people think you're crazy and you're wrong, because he's connected to a higher power. Jesus' life is sourced in, directed by, and pointed towards God. He couldn't fit into their groups and their nice boxes of faith and religion and certainty. And he can't fit into ours either because he's fit into a different one. And so my point is this, and, and the thing we ought to hold on to out of this is this, is that, that Jesus, he doesn't fit in with, with Bethel people. He doesn't fit into this group. Uh, he doesn't fit in with covenanters. Covenanters, uh, Jesus doesn't fit in with covenanters. He doesn't fit in with church people today. He's not contained in those groups. Uh, Jesus, he doesn't fit in with Americans because that group is too restricted. He's fit in with God. He doesn't fit in with rural people, and he doesn't fit in with city people, and he doesn't uh, fit in with rich people. He doesn't fit in with farmers, and he doesn't fit in with doctors uh, because he's fit in to something else. He doesn't fit in with the good side of the family that are easy to get along with at Thanksgiving. He doesn't fit in with the people at work that solve the problems or the people at work that are the problems. I'm not sure which one is in this place. Um, he doesn't fit in with, with evangelical Christians or Lutherans or Catholics. He doesn't fit in with King James Version-only readers or, or New Living Translation readers. He doesn't fit in with Hatfields or McCoys. He doesn't fit in with Packers fans or Vikings fans. Because we all know that God is a Broncos fan um, <laughs> because the sunset's blue and orange. Okay? Pay attention. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't fit in our boxes. He doesn't fit into theirs. And it's easy to see how Jesus wasn't a Pharisee, right? It's easy to see how he wasn't a zealot because it's far away. Uh, but the truth is he doesn't fit into our boxes either because he's already fit into God's life. He won't fit into our ideologies, our plans, our, our ideas about the world. Not because they're bad or because or we have bad intentions, but because our ideologies, our hopes, our groups, as good and as valuable as they are, uh, they're not everything. He can't fit with us because he fits with God. And when Jesus walked the earth, he did not shy away from that reality. Uh, when he ran into people, uh, when the conflict was most obvious, when uh, Jesus invited people to stop trying to belong to those groups and instead let go of their lives and fit in, fit in him and fit into God's. To the rich, Jesus said, 
abandon your wealth and follow me. To the revolutionaries, he said, lay down your arms and follow me. To the church people, he said, lay down your rules and your certainty and follow me. No matter how good or valuable or important the goal was, Jesus said, let go of it and find your source, your direction, and your glory, your point, your glory towards Christ and his Father. This is a hard teaching because uh, we all have things that we think matter. We have all have things that we want to use faith in service of. We all have nice boxes in our lives that we want to fit God into somehow, but we really don't want to lose whatever that thing is. Because we live in a culture where Jesus doesn't fit. And so we're invited as Christians, as, as, um, as people, as human beings, we're invited to repent. And repent means turn. And we're invited to turn away uh, from the most important values and ideologies and dreams and hopes and groups that we belong to, to turn away from them as our primary way of thinking about our lives and instead to try and fit in to Christ. He's inviting us, just like he did them, to stop trying to fit him into our full lives and instead place our full lives in him, to accept his death and resurrection on the cross so that we can put everything in God's. And so one day we, uh, little by little, uh, as God transforms us, we'll find our source, direction, and we'll point our, our reflection towards God and not other things. Instead of being sustained by the ideas that get us fired up now, we'll actually be sustained by something bigger than that, just like Jesus does with his Father. So would you pray with me? Lord God, Father God, when your Son came to earth, he was undeniably connected to you. His actions were your actions, and the reception that he received was people's reception to you. And he didn't fit into any of the well-thought-out ideas of how the world should work on the earth that he walked in because he was too busy fitting into the real one, the one where you made the world and you love the people in it, and you're willing to give up everything and die on their behalf. And in the world where you can bring the dead back to life, Lord, we're invited to turn from our ways of looking at the world and instead plant our lives in your life. So help us to see um, that the good things in our lives aren't fit to be our core direction. And instead, Lord, direct us, guide us, encourage us to find our life in you. We thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.